be doing a lot of stuff, making ourselves very busy. But if people don't take out, I'm in the presence of X brand or Y brand, then we've got a problem. And so, hey everyone, today we're talking with Lee Rolson from Jones Knowles Ritchie. Lee's the chief growth officer, and we talk about a super fascinating study JKR did with Ipsos on distinctiveness. It appears that only 15% of all brands is truly distinctive. And while we already know that we spend around $4.7 trillion on marketing each year, that means that a lot of money goes down the train. In this talk, we go a little bit deeper in that study. So buckle up and let's talk branding. Before we dive in, some uh, exciting news. Together with Hola Brief, I developed a brand audit template for creative agencies. In my own experience of working with existing brands, I think one of the most overlooked but powerful services is a brand audit. It allows you to get a good idea of the strengths and weaknesses of your or your client's brand and start shaping the future of the brand from a solid foundation. You can check out my custom and easy to use brand audit template I developed with the Hola Brief today and discover many more strategic exercises and templates to collaborate with you and your clients and create kick-ass briefs. Visit holabrief.com slash Steph or find the link in the show notes. That's holabrief.com slash Steph. Now let's get back to the podcast. I mean, I'm a huge fan of... Jones, Nils, Richie, even though I sometimes struggle to say, I just say JKR, that's easier. But um, like, can you tell us a bit about the company? You know, I think a lot of designers know it, obviously, but just in a yeah, nutshell. Yeah, sure. So um, JKR, independent uh, branding and design business. Um, we are 33 years young, um, born out of, out of um, London, um, but with studios in London, New York and, and Shanghai about 350 people uh, strong and growing. Um, and mm. yeah, I guess uh, kind of, you know, we're probably best known for our work with global kind of iconic brands. So brands like M&M's, Burger King, uh, Coca-Cola, um, AB InBev Brands, Heinz, um, the list goes on. Um, yeah, and I guess kind of um, our belief, in, uh, I guess as, as a business and our purpose is you know, we, we, we believe we exist to inspire brands and people to be their true self. So as a result, it wouldn't be a surprise to hear that that is kind of manifest in, in, in the work we do, trying to be as distinctive and true to the brand it, it's from as, as possible. Uh, that's, so that's kind of us in a nutshell. Yeah, love Love that. And and maybe we can get into some of the work, but like I, I think for me, one of the, the moments where I truly discovered your company, uh, the company you work for, is is uh, the Burger King refresh, or I don't know how you call it, but it was like for me that was really getting to the essence of of what this brand was and and refresh it in a beautiful way. But maybe we can get into that later. But actually, why why we 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 wanted to talk today was because of this uh, lovely study study you put out. Uh, it's called Be Distinctive Everywhere, um, and it was done with Ipsos, I think. Could you just give us a bit of like a, a backdrop of like w- w- why did this, this thing came to life and, and how did sure, that happen? Yeah. So I guess it's kind of been in, in, in planning for a long time. So um, um, I guess so to take a step back, philosophically, kind of our, our business was formed on 
it's brilliant Oscar Wilde quote, be yourself, everyone else is taken. And that's kind of the, 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 the philosophy that, that, that runs through everything that we do. Um, and as a result of that, we're constantly on the, on the look for, you know, proof and, 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 and evidential kind of data that's, that supports that belief that, you know, when brands show up as the, the best version of themselves, that's where growth and that's where opportunity comes. Um, and so I think it was just before lockdown 2020 and this amazing study and the power of you um, kind of came across our desk, which was done by Epsos, which was 2000 of the most effective pieces of, 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 I guess, video content, branded video content in the US market. And it made the case and proved the, you know, the power of, you know, the, 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 you know, some of the most effective work is even more effective uh, when it's got the presence of, of, of distinctive brand assets in it. And it rated the, 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 the impact of each one of the different types of assets. So that really kind of sparked our, our interest. So we connected with Ipsos and said, we'd love to do something at a broader level beyond just, you know, video comms and, 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 and just look at assets in the round. So that was the conversation. And, and what we did was they opened up the database of all their distinctive brand asset tests to try and see the patterns, see the, the themes and understand kind of, you know, the, the magnitude of the task for, for branding businesses to make brands distinctive. So we looked at all that data. Um, so over 500 brands, 5,000 assets, 26,000 consumers, um, 33 um, categories in 26 countries. So a big study. And then we looked at, you know, the kind of the, 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 the impact on logos, on slogans, on colors, on mascots and on, on products. And so that was really the, the data set. Um, they gave us the analysis and the data. And we did the commentary in the context. Um, and that was that, that is the, the report. So hopefully people have got a chance to read it and, you know, hopefully it's engaged and informed them. Uh, I guess, was it a shock? I'm not sure. What well, I guess with the headline data said was, <laughs> you know, you know, unfortunately, 15% of all the assets that have been tested are, are truly distinctive. So I guess it highlights how, how difficult that is. And then we break it down into each one of the subsets. And so it's all about, you know, understanding what, what does it take to, to be, you know, a truly distinctive brand and the, the way that, that Ipsos classified it was gold, you know, truly distinctive, in, in, implicitly and intuitively people know who the brand is and, and, and they don't make mistakes. They get it, they get it you know, uniquely uh, attributed to the right brand. Um, and so we, we knew how, it made us realize how difficult being truly distinctive is. We want to understand how we can help you know, people you know, to continually try and make, it, make their brands more and more distinctive. So that's kind of the report that, that we're talking about today. Yeah, I, I guess kind of in a lot of the distinctive brand asset studies tend to follow a, a, a common pattern around kind of you know, a, 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 a matrix or a grid of the percentage of, 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 of the audience who perceive that asset to be uniquely attributed to that brand. So either they, don't, they don't mistake it for anyone else, whether it's a Budweiser logo or it's a, it's a Heinz slogan, you, 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 you know it's them, but it, it's also the implicit um, brand association, you know, the, the, the speed at which you don't think about it. You go, okay, right, it's definitely them. I get it in a heartbeat. And so it's those, it's those two factors which kind of set you on the path of, you know, if, if you know, the majority of people uniquely know it's you and they get it intuitively, that's how you get to the gold standard. And then again, to bronze where, you know, people are struggling, you know, the majority of people are going, I'm not sure who that is. And I don't, I need to think about it as well. That's when, you know, you're in the territory of the generics. So we're all striving for that 
top right hand corner of the box, which is uh, the gold standard. Yeah, really interesting. And and I think like the the other big number here, and and I'm just gonna quickly uh, scroll through through the study. Like this this is also a very big number. Four point seven trillion will be invested in marketing every year. Like, what is the issue? linked to distinctiveness with this big number then yeah so again that's that's the kind of forest of forecast of, of kind of when you aggregate up all of the of the of the spend in the in the in different disciplines of marketing and i guess you know if we if, the, if we all kind of take a step back whatever discipline you are in marketing you are building a brand you are building the recognition the understanding the consideration the love and the purchase of a brand and so the first thing you've got to understand is who you're in the presence of. And if we're failing on that, that's the fear is that we may be doing a lot of stuff, making ourselves very busy. But if people don't take out, I'm in the presence of X brand or Y brand, then we've got a problem. And so, you know, salience of and front of mind, you know, is, is proven to be, you know, the, you know, one of the most critical things for being considered for purchase. And I guess in the, in our fragmented world where there are so many channels, there are so many ways that a brand can be trigger awareness and you can almost buy it instantaneously or you need to have latent memory to go and buy it later. Uh, or it's a DTC brand and you need to be in the consideration. All those different factors. You've got to be able to know who it is. And that's where in this fragmented world, it's even more important to be distinctive and, and, and make sure that you know we are all making sure that the top of the funnel, the awareness bit of any brand is... is mm as healthy and as strong as it can be. That's really what kind of, which all trying, I hope we're all trying to achieve in, in this, in this industry. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's interesting. Like I, I, I know for a fact that a lot of designers don't often communicate very well with like marketeers and, and vice versa. Like there's it, sometimes they seem like different worlds, but I think it's very important what you say about like how very interconnected the creation of the assets, the management of the assets, the marketing, the campaigns, all of it really is. I think it's something we like, we can't stress enough basically. No, no. And I, um, you know, the, the brand is the glue that holds all that together. You know, however, you know, it's orchestrated. It needs to, you know, it all needs to feel true to the idea behind the brand. It needs to stand out and, and stand apart from its competition. It needs to get you get you get you pulled into to, to, to make that purchase as well. Exactly. Like I think it was on Burger King where you you guys mentioned something like the brand needs to be craveable as the product is. But I, I really like that term. Um, let's maybe before we before we dive in because there's slogans there's mascots there's a lot of stuff we can we can talk about but just one more question like it's clear that companies are struggling to be distinctive like to crack mm -hmm. the code on being distinctive a lot of these brands we see in the report are obviously very well known and iconic brands but like let's say as a growing brand a smaller brand like how how can we start thinking about this stuff? Like, what what's what's the secret formula here? Yeah, I mean, I suppose when 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 we use examples and, and things spring to mind, it's 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 obvious that we're going to go to the classics and the the brands that have either been well uh, protected or well managed and, and and orchestrated over time, or and, yep. and built you know, distinctive elements into them. But it's just as easy, you know, it's just as important that you know uh, emerging brands, you know take that that view as well 
um, because it's it's not it's, it's quite hard. You know, I think um, you know a lot of forces are are working against you know kind of being distinctive, whether it's you know the the, the shorter tenure of senior leaders in, in, in marketing and people coming in with new ideas and fresh takes, or whether it's the endless need to have um, you know new news and fresh presentation. Sometimes that can be at the expense of being different to the to the brand and the assets, or whether it is that you know that you know running a brand now takes a lot of people because of the touch points, because of the points of sale. Hmm. Sometimes you know people can be you know um, channel specific and not looking at the bigger picture, and so some channels you know the rules may suggest that you know you need to play by those rules at the at the expense of the brand, and, and it's all about balance and making sure that. You know that yes, we we are focused on the metrics and the performance and the delivery and the conversion, but equally that we we know that this is the brand we're in. People like Nike are brilliant at it. You know, they can you you feel throughout the entire kind of awareness to sales funnel, you feel like you're in their presence because they mm. are so well orchestrating all of the elements of the experience and the identity. So you know, it, it can be done, but it, it it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It takes time, I guess. <laughs> that also. Uh, let, let's look at let's look at some of the like the different categories because there are some really interesting things. I think so. Uh, these are these are just the stats we we talked about earlier. So I'm not gonna go too deep into that. But let's look at logos, for example. Like, what were the main findings when it came to logos? Like, because it's the typical thing like we say often say is a brand is your logo and it's like the one identifier everybody kind of has but like what what did you see in the data yeah well it was interesting was just you know even again you'd imagine that the logo has to be you and unmistakably you um, and and it wasn't that hmm. always the case so you know i think you know when it, of course you know you, you know the logo should be both the, the recognizable kind of symbol of the brand but also symbolic of the idea that drives the brand. It should have that kind of meaning inbuilt in, in, in it. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, um, you know, we, we expanded it beyond just things like, uh, you know, um, um, brands, but looking at fashion and looking at, you know, bands and, and, and music and stuff, that some of the best logos are, are, are band logos because they don't just tell you the name of the band. They, they bring it to life in quite a, quite a visceral way you know heavy metal logos feel like heavy metal you know uh, <laughs> you know a uh, 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 run dmc logo feels pretty big bold and from the street so so it's really interesting that you know and we talk a lot about the where, where logos come from you know the idea that you know um you know that making marks is, is, is as old as humanity and so mm. it's just really important that people you know appreciate that it's not just This, 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 the, the name of the of the of, of the brand or the or the icon, but it is actually in many ways the the essence and the soul of it. Mm, yeah, and I think a really interesting point made also in in the study is is around shapes versus words. Like maybe if you mm. could quickly elaborate on that, because I do think it's a, a confusion we sometimes have. Yeah, yeah. I guess kind of you know we all think that we read with our kind of was it read with our read with our, our, our minds, but we really read with, with, mm. with our eyes. And that sounds obvious, but like the shape and the, and the dimension and what it, it is, is often easier to, re, to, to draw than, than the actual letters themselves. You know, Amazon's a great example. And those little, little moments where, um, you know, um, 
someone's thought a bit about the idea behind it. You know, so obviously Amazon delivers things from A to Z, A to Z, and and and, hmm. and putting a little smile in there is just genius. And you know, hats off to the to the agency that did that. You know, it's um, it's it's a and those mo- those moments you make the point in in in, in the study they make you give a second glance and that second glance is, is really yeah. important because in a world where a lot of, especially digital brands are focused on the digital suitability of the typeface they use, which is great. Yeah. Sometimes at the expense of kind of standing out from the crowd. So I think it's great when, you know, you get that moment where there's a, there's a personality and there's, and there's legibility and there's comprehension as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think sometimes like we go as far as as like making logos into a a typeface choice and really like stripping all character and shape from it where it becomes really hard to actually become this identifier for you so i think it's like we've seen it in a lot of brands like fashion brands as well where they live evolution was called even blending and now i think there's again like some rebalancing happening where we see companies returning to their old logos i don't know if you see any like evolutions when it comes to this this part of the design the brand design yeah i mean i think this it's interesting that people talk about kind of going back to to, to the past or flattening of logos and i just think that you know um we're in an era now where where where, where a logo has to do you don't have to just show up it has to do things you know, people adapt hmm. them use them to signify moments in culture they use them for kind of collaborative experiences they place them out of context and i think it's about relevance it's being it's having something that you can use and you can remain kind of you know protective and respectful of but also be fresh and, and new in the same breath as being consistent and so playing around with with logos has become a very um kind of you know common trait and, and and placing it out of context a pair of, you know supreme on a pair of boxing gloves or you know the, the the actual miniature bites of snickers kind of saying snickers but it doesn't you know that kind of stuff hmm. is when you've got an iconic brand you can really have a bit of fun with it and that's really you know and as a consequence you probably want to get away from the superfluous stuff like shadows and you know flares and touches and all that stuff that other people can do and try and be you know the most distinctively authentic self when it comes to logos and have a bit of a yeah exactly yeah that's super interesting let's 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 move forward a bit uh towards slogans because of course like slogans uh really interesting area i think it's it's one of those things where it's also what we saw in the data was that it wasn't the most like sticky acid but still it's a very interesting one like where do you do you think this friction comes from that maybe in in general it's harder to stick in our brain because it's not visual but yet it's also a very interesting asset yeah i mean i think um i mean the best ones are you can't help but you know show me a, a bucket of kfc and i'll think of that that line um you know <laughs> apple i think i think i think different but they've not used that phrase for for many many years um i think the rarity comes in the transience of, 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 of campaigns. You know, I think the best, you know, brands hit upon a great kind of shorthand for what their brand stands for in, in, in a slogan. And they live it and they build 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 it and they abstract it or they bring it to life or they meta, give it a metaphor. But, but they're building into 
you know that's that that phrase whether it's think different you know you're not you and you're hungry or or or, or just do it and so it takes on life its own um but sometimes what happens is again with the transient nature of of, of campaigns or different agencies or different leaders on brands there's a feel to need to move away from the past and and we use the, the american express example of a great one where they stay true to the the essence of what their phrase is and what their slogan is but keep reimagining it in, in in today's um context so i think and uh, i you know making sure that you know that the, the 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 slogan that you um build into is true to you it's sticky it's memorable it has the truth of what you are in it and then keep working it and keep applying it and keep keep pursuing it because it definitely is you know um, it's definitely worth the hard, hard yards when you do get a really distinctive slogan mm, yeah and and i guess like even beyond like what you said about having a for example a more dynamic headline that basically has some similar formalities but can change which is an interesting adaptation the the point that's also made in the in the study which i think is very important is that almost the style of of speaking or, or writing is as important as that singular message and that can also become somewhat of a distinctive asset uh, the the example of oatly like i don't know how how you see that from from your standpoint as a as a branding agency how much do you yeah. also work on that for example huge huge it's, it's huge i mean I, I i'm unfortunately old enough to remember kind of when you could possibly buy your way into the consciousness with the slogan through media spend and, and be singular mm. with it it's much harder to do that now so again in 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 in, in that context it's important that all the words all the voice the way you show the sonics that you use are all helping each other build a build a, a tone and a thought and and especially in you know cpg brands because you're gonna or or, or, or the, the actual you know package of something you've got uh, you've got a canvas where you can converse and talk and you know the more you can build your brand in the way you talk you know like apples you know, you know i i just love the you know a, a design in california made in china it's just a beautiful <laughs> phrase didn't need to put it on there but it says everything about you know the kind of west coast spirit with the with the with the with the certainty of, of a performance from from production in china it's brilliant um and then mm. um, you know and, and oakley has got you know a really reverent tone which disarms the audience to try something different and, and make it make a positive change so uh, yeah i think i think i think um tone of voice is incredibly important and, and one that you know i think is 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 vastly important. It's super important to orchestrate, and and again, not only that, but the way that your your words show up should feel like they have come from you. Yeah. So typefaces. I know people sometimes feel like they are the uh, the, the the kind of the indulgence of the of the graphic designer, but the way that we see it is the more that you can be inspired by truths within your brand or graphical associations with 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 the parent, then the, the more you know the more the whole system hangs together so you know you, you said you know you, said, you mentioned burger king earlier you know the thought of that brand wanting to be as craveable as the food you know the typeface hmm. feels like it's kind of gooey it's but it's you can eat it and that's deliberate you know in the same way that when we talk about stellar artois and it has that kind of refined elegance that that comes from 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 the history and the brand Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm a Belgian, and and was interesting for me to see that like Stella Artois, which is like 
from ever like from when I yeah. grew up to to like the way even visually I don't have it here but the way like the logo now flipped on the can and stuff like I think that it's a, those are really great examples of making something iconic even more iconic and and more recognizable mm. and and like strip it to its bare uh, essentials which I think is very interesting so uh, yeah, uh, yeah let me just yeah and do we have to talk about AI I mean how is the podcast today not talking about AI? <laughs> so maybe brief, briefly, let's just let's just uh, address it. Like, what 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 is? How will this influence? Maybe well, of, of course, there is the the verbal part, which you you definitely have some some options for. But like in general, what's your take on AI and and branding? Well, I think um, the the positive AI for branding is that it can set guardrails. Again, you know, if the prompts are right and they're governed by what the brand wants to come across as, how it should show up, what experiences you can provide, then it helps to narrow the 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 moments where you know things happen that are off brand. So I think in, in that respect, it's, it's it's to be embraced. I think it's to be supported because it can help the brand show up more consistently, more distinctively, more true to the vision of what the the people who run the brands and the audiences that, 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 that experience them want, want it to be. Um, so I think, I think, you know, in, in that application, I think, you know, as always, the, the, the question when it comes to a brand is about IP and what, mm. what constitutes playing around with the brand in service of, with the IP and what becomes somebody else doing something you would, wouldn't want to do with it. So it, I guess like every industry at the moment, I think the, the opportunity has been, explored and embraced and then kind of the the controls and the checks and the disciplines probably need to be applied as well but you know i would just it's, it's another tool in, in the in the branding armory as far as we're concerned that you you utilize to drive the brand to be as distinctive as possible yeah i like that i like that perspective i mean it's like uh, the most cliche answer would probably be uh, like it's all done where creativity is done uh, and and but like actually how how some examples also gave in here like how you could make a brand voice into something like an ai that could do the same at different touch points of the brand is actually a really interesting way to make it even more consistent across the yeah. board so i think there's some some really good opportunities hinted at here and and it's just interesting to explore and 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 see where it goes so so uh, i think that's a great perspective uh let's move forward to my favorite uh piece of all i i don't know if you know but i'm obsessed with brand mascots i'm actually making a whole film about it so this was like i was waiting for it to be in the study and of course it's mm. it's there like yeah. what is up with mascots in the first place a lot of times when when i talk to people it's like oh mascots that's a that's a thing of the past like what is, is it is it the case that they that they are declining like what's happening from your perspective yeah i suppose the 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 kind of the perceived sort of perception of them is that they 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 belong somewhere in the past because of the the golden era was kind of obviously when broadcast and 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 kind of you know a lot of the cpg brands took on mascots as a kind of characterization of it of, of the brand and in, a, in an era you know where i suppose we feel we're more sophisticated in our marketing the great thing is that they are they're so powerful and actually you ignore them or you 
dismiss them at your peril. Um, and, and and the reason you know we we see that is is, is it literally can be the characterization of your brand, and in some instances hmm. you know it's as powerful as the brand. You know certain examples we pull there that you couldn't you know you couldn't imagine certain brands without their without their mascots and you know and they're you know they're they are you know they're they're having a reconnaissance uh, i'm sorry a renaissance rather than reconnaissance yeah they're having a renaissance because um you know the fashion people and the streetwear people are, are are really leaning into them you know if you think of some of the most kind of powerful um, um cool brands they've got these little funny things attached to them whether it's you know the bathing gape or the the Louis Vuitton little, uh, little little character, or you know, um, or the hundred or whatever. They've got these funky things that that really sort of like get into culture. So you know, we, we think that, that that there's real power in them. I think you know you've got to use them responsibly, of course, um, and 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 make sure that you know they're not targeted in certain areas of the and, and uh, 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 you know younger generations. But you know, they, they are a great they're a great asset, and and we you know we we, we salute them in this. Uh, in this year and i'm glad i can't wait to see your film <laughs> thanks yeah it'll be very interesting uh to see but obviously i think a lot of what you said in here is is also something i'm exploring further and and i think there are actually a lot more brands either like re revamping some of their mascots so it's interesting mm -hmm. to see i think it's it's one of those ways to to bring back some some emotion like the yeah. the m&ms is actually also an interesting one in the sense that they've been like uh going through some some hoops lately but i, I guess now they're back stronger than ever <laughs> yeah and i think you know that's... that you know that, that, that group of characters are there to bring us all together and so you know they they constantly will you know evolve and and reflect the society we are in so that we're all feeling part of it. So I think, you know, I think that they're probably one of the most distinctive characters mm. out there by, you know, that, 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 that merry bunch of characters in themselves are, are, are hugely distinctive and almost, it's almost impossible to, 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 to distinguish them from the brand itself. And they're great. Yeah. And, Yeah, and like even what's interesting about the these ones, I think, is like uh, I, the, there's another chapter on product, but actually, like they are mascots and they are products. Like yeah. they're they're basically the product running around with legs, which is like win-win because you're showing your mascot, you're showing your product, you're showing your brand. It's is very like so so singular and powerful, and I think like that's that's the best way to go. Um, mm. Let me see here if I get questions about mascots like no just uh one more like do you have a favorite mascot yourself always curious about that <laughs> well actually the um if you notice in the report there's a there's a cuddly toy mascot of lacoste uh which actually i, yeah. took, I, I admit is, is mine so uh it's uh yeah so oh, wow. i think i just i just think the, the lacoste logo uh and as it, it just it says it just denies just it, it makes no sense uh but it mm. it, it, it makes a standard polo shirt worth a lot more on your shirt on your on your on your back than than the normal one so yeah i think matting that that one because it's just a bit it's a bit weird but a bit great yeah i love it i love the i love that example as well and like what i what i think is very interesting is that actually like we're starting to see some b2b brands also embrace mascots yeah. which is which is a great opportunity because i mean in a boring space it's even better to put this character and and that's also one of the points made in the in this study is like you can do with a mascot what you want it's harder mm. to do that with 
actual people who go off and i don't know slap somebody on the oscar nomination like <laughs> a lot a lot harder to control i guess <laughs> i do and, and i think you bring that, that page up because i think a lot of app-based businesses are embracing them because of you know what 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 who doesn't want to see a, a kind of fluorescent green owl staring back at you on your on your phone it's just you know it's distinctiveness on in your in your hand as well as you know uh, elsewhere in the world so no i think the no, they are. They're, they're a really powerful, powerful part of the, mm. of the arsenal of, of assets. Yeah, and and Duolingo is actually interesting because he's on like the characters on TikTok and is doing amazing, yeah. like really growing fast. And it's it's such an interesting way. Like if Duolingo as a brand itself would show up on TikTok, would be a lot mm. harder. But because this is like a dancing cute character, it it, work, it works for the for the medium. So that's also interesting. Yeah, and it's uh, a great thing, isn't it? You know, you've got a, a cute cute symbol, a cute um, mascot who helps you learn. So no, it's great. It's great. Love it, yeah. Mascots cheering, cheering that they are in here. Let's let's talk a bit about color. Um, yeah. It got like I think the lowest score, right? Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. And um, yeah, I think this is the point we make with this is it is it's it is almost impossible to 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 completely universally own a color. It's very 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 mm. very rare, but it's all in context. You know, probably the Tiffany teal is possibly the one that transcends its category. I think most people would go, oh, that's Tiffany. But it, but its power is, you know, when even when it's a generic, you place it in context of the category you're in. You add shape into it. You mix two or three colors together and add a add, a, add an icon in there. And then it's almost like they, it, it's almost unmistakably you. Even though in this example, these are, you know, arguably identical in many ways, but they're no. not. So it's, so it's kind of it's it's always in context. Uh, of 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 the moment, of the category, of the the way you apply it. That's when I think color comes into its own. Um, yeah, but and also it's it's kind of we make the point that there's a lot more knowledge about color theory now. There's a lot more science behind what color actually means and imbues, and that's great because we can learn from that and we can choose to apply it when it's right. But equally, the pitfalls of that is, you know, th that knowledge is not proprietary it's not exclusive hmm. so everyone knows that so if you know that blue means you know certainty and security and financial services so does everyone else so you've got to think about you know do you play by the rules or play against it and equally you know heritage and geographical provenance play a part you know this they make the point about you know these brands are both owned by the same company uh, but in certain geographies hmm. they will mean you know different you know they don't, they'll, they'll, they'll take the the the, the high ground of, of what chocolate is and and yet you know they're, they're strikingly close to each other yeah i mean I, I think it's also interesting to see like you mentioned the example of, of like uh monzo in the study which took like a different color than most banks do and it's a lot more vibrant i think it's it's indeed a, a challenge like in some categories especially in like food packaging where you have like colors that sometimes indicate certain things like this is uh, salt it's like mm. red and this is paprika this is a uh, blue i i mean that's here i don't know if it's anywhere yeah. like that but yeah. like i i think it's interesting to like think about how to balance being like indicating that you're part of a category but also making your own choices i don't know if you have a, a thought on it but yeah i suppose there's certain codes of 
that have been, you know, been passed down for centuries that, that, that are possibly even unbreakable. You know, you don't want someone to go down a, a one-way street. You're not going to put a blue circle up with a white line in the middle. You're going to rely on the fact that everyone knows a red, a red circle with a white line is don't go yeah. down there. So, so there's certain things you've got to go accept are, are truths. But then at the brand level, that's when you can probably, you know, there may be category norms you can play with, but with the central brand idea, there's nothing stopping you having a coral, a hot coral a card in your wallet. And that's, you know, that's when sometimes the breakthroughs and the exciting stuff happens. And then equally, you know, yeah. so, you know playing off the codes of other areas is, is great. And we made the point with, with you know, with um, new media brands now that they've got, they've got a different, they've got, they're playing to different rules now and they can play around with it because... They, you know, if they operate in a digital sphere, they've got a much broader palette of, of, of stuff to play with. It can move, it can change over time. So it's it's just a, it's a really exciting time, I think, for the kind of the use and the application of color when it comes to brands. Yeah, love that. I mean, there's a lot more to tap into about color, but maybe just before we start looking at the final lessons, I think the the category on on product was, of course, very interesting to see. Like the the one thing, the one point that you brought forward in the study a lot was on the importance of of like brand experience, and mm. and I think that's that's a, a really interesting one. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on, because oftentimes like when brand designers or brand agencies come in, like, I mean, product is sometimes already defined in a way. Like, do you have any ideas on how to make sure that this, this whole thing comes to life together and that the brand experience is, is one? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, and the more we tried to study was expand what product is. Because of course the mm. product is the physical, you know, but it's the physical car or the physical chocolate bar or the physical computer. But really the thing that could be distinctive may not be the physicality of it. It might be something around it. So, you know, you know, we talk about, 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 about beer in the, in the study because it's hard to make exception of Guinness. Maybe it's hard to make a liquid distinctive because they're very similar. Hmm. And when you transfer stellar from a glass to a chalice, the whole, impression of what you believe that to be, how you feel about the brand, how you revere it. Even the word says something different about the brand. So you, you, you know, in those moments you can really lean into the thing you can control and own. Similarly, we you know, you know, the example of Pret, you know, when, when Pret depict food, it's in a playful way that is always sort of in service of this little kind of game of kind of it, is it food or is it you know, a rabbit or a you know, monkey or whatever. <laughs> And, 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 and that's great because that's their playful nature coming through. But that's, you know, that just takes the, takes the product to a different place. So it's, it's about finding the, you know, and then an experience, an experience design doesn't need to be so seamless you can't remember it. Experience hmm. design should have a little bit of brand grit in it so that you go, oh, that's really nice. That, that, that's obviously them. Um, and, and it keeps you coming back. So, so it's, just, it's just looking for the moments of, Yeah, not, it's very rare you get a super duper. There's only one of them and nobody can copy it. But there's mm. always moments to be distinctive in the product and the experience, you know. Yeah, and and I think what what's such an interesting point made also is like, we talked about, you know, branding and marketing. And obviously this whole thing about distinctive assets is key to 
build broader awareness and make people know about the brand. But actually this part about brand experience is really also about taking it to the like the lowest part of your funnel and beyond like making it even in the details like a part of this feeling and don't like stop at okay you bought us and now thank you and and bye bye and i think that's really like the best brands go beyond there and then they stay memorable and and like yeah yeah and i think i think you know that our view is that distinctive brand assets aren't exclusively visual or kind of the kits, the kit, it's the, it's the, it's the whole experience, you know, you know, you know a, a feel, a scent, a sound, uh, a swipe of a, of a, of a, of a, of a, of a transition of a, of a website is just as, just as powerful. And it's, it's the orchestration of all those things because ultimately, you know, again, on the Apple, it's hard not to eulogize about how good Apple are, but all hmm. the branding elements would, would be meaningless if that, that experience wasn't backed up by the way that, all their products work and and that's really the you know the ethos there's one thing around or, organizing and orchestrating the way the brand shows up but it comes from a central thought that in, in the best instances are running the are running the business not just the brand yeah love that let me see here um so i think what we we went through it and we have some some uh really interesting points here i have i have one more question but maybe before we diverge from the study like yeah. uh any closing thoughts on like takeaways for people to remember i mean i think the 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 the, the report kind of says it which is we you know the best brands we think have got a central thought that that everything uh, depicts symbolizes evokes brings to life in the consumer's mind and and the best ones are those are Certainly, from a from a from a you know, people who are responsible for bringing these brands to life, they need to be able to do something with that thought. It needs to allow the brand to act and behave and do. So, when the more active these thoughts are, the more they can inspire you not to just communicate what you think about the world and show up like people expect you to, but actually make you do things that are in 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 in, in service of what the consumer wants and what the brand's about. That's 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 the most important bit. The next piece is very much. You know, understanding what makes you distinctive, understanding the, the the tools at your disposal, but orchestrating them in in service of the experience. To your point, you know, it's not about a repetitive, you know, singular application of the logo everywhere. It's about does it all feel like it's one one complete experience? And then the third bit, um, to the point about AI and other platforms. Now, you know, it's never been it's never been harder to get your brand out into the world because there's so many different touch points, but it's never been easier yeah. to manage those touch points because the technology is there now. And all we're saying here is, you know, yes, it should be effective. Yes, it should be uh, driving conversion. Yes, it should deliver on, on, on all of the KPIs, but it should feel and look like you as well. So, you know, set those controls to distinctiveness as well as kind of effectiveness and, and use the tools at our disposal to get the brands out there in the best possible way. That's the kind of, that's the three bigger points we make in the in the report. Yeah, love those. And and maybe just a, a side question. Uh, let me just share this, by the way, so people uh, the people watching on YouTube can see. Like, what the earlier on I talked about the Burger King uh, rebrand. I don't know if you call it a rebrand, actually, but yeah. What, I, what what's interesting to me, and and I think like what I've seen with a lot of the work that that you do at JKR is is like. You you manage to find this this balance between it being 
super fresh like it feels like i think a lot of people put this in their mood boards as something they want to achieve yet it feels also very like respectful of the heritage mm. and and like the history of the brand like how do you find the balance between those two i think you found a way to do that really well yeah i mean it goes back to the founding quote you know be yourself everyone else is taken we we we, we are fastidious about and 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 really geek out on the what is what is it about this brand that makes it so special when was it at its best what is the what is the characteristics of this brand at its best what is it that's competitive against its against its direct competition and 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 sometimes you know you need to look beyond the where the brand is today and sometimes it sits in the past mm. as Birkin, but equally It's about an interpretation that's behind. This is all driven by a, a really big thought about making a brand as craveable as the product. So once you've got that, mm. then are respectful enough and, and humble enough to realize that, you know, you don't have to re, re, reinvent the brand. You need to get the brand at its best moment. Then that's kind of, I guess, at the heart of our thinking. And then, you know, make sure you've got wildly talented creative people who can deliver like... <laughs> The, the, the fortunes to have on, on on our side of the fence so yeah it's uh yeah that that's kind of the spirit of, of 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 why our stuff looks the way it does yeah i love that i mean it's such an uh inspiring uh example um that's it lee it was lovely having you on uh super interesting to dive with you in this stuff like uh if people want to find you or or get in touch or maybe see more work like where can they go Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if you want to read the book, bedistinctive.com. Uh, JKR Global is where you'll find us. Uh, hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, if, if, if anyone wants to chat, I'm always up for it. But uh, it's been really, really enjoyable uh, doing this, I've got to, I've got to say. <laughs>